Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Mitten Backstage with the wonderful Michael Dawes. So a lot of you might know Michael Dawes from the Michigan trio, The Accidentals, but he is also a prolific songwriter and multi-instrumentalist in his own project called Tree Skin. If you liked the conversation we had today and you want to support podcasts like this one, you can head on over to patreon.com slash There, you can contribute at different levels to get access to podcast episodes in audio and video format early. You'll get access to behind-the-scenes live streams, as well as different exclusive merch and the ability to hire me as an instructor, consultant, and recording artist. So thanks again for tuning in. Feel free to share this with your friends and give me a follow or subscribe on the platform you might be listening this on or watching this on YouTube. And let's get right into the conversation with Michael Dawes. first month in October I think I took like two weeks and just slept (laughs) so now I'm like back into gear of like all right it's time to work on more projects and do more things yeah but uh man I'll I'll tell you what like playing Halo though I never had an Xbox growing up so my like memories of Halo are only from like going over to my friend's house oh yep like I was that kid it was like well I gotta go over to you know Mark's house (laughs) because he's got Halo and I don't have it yet and all that stuff like elementary school and, and middle school, man, like bringing back memories. Yeah. You know, like I, I remember even in, even in high school there, I had a friend who we'd go to his house and like to just set up to do like a land party or like play, you know, just couch co-op on like his older Xbox. Like we just put so many hours into just, doing multiplayer and <laughs> oh yeah yeah oh, man. it's nice but yeah. yeah uh thanks for yeah coming on this podcast <laughs> yeah absolutely thanks for asking me to do it i was i was totally down after our after our last convo <laughs> we were like <laughs> we were like both trying to hang up but we were like oh wait you gotta check out this like live yeah. session on youtube and <laughs> hold like, on all that <laughs> So yeah, I'm glad we we've gotten the chance to to chat again. Yeah. And uh you know, I kind of keep the we basically did the intro is just like kind of just start chatting and I I faded in. <laughs> um but yeah, so you've been, you know, I see all of the toys in your studio. <laughs> <laughs> How was was that just kind of like, you know, bringing in a bunch of stuff and putting it wherever or did you like slowly transform the space over the last year? Or? Oh yeah. Well, and I've only really been um in Grand Rapids now since about October. I moved in um August, but that was kind of just like a weekend thing to get mm. everything in its space. But um, the space down here, like I'm, I'm in the basement, and um, it's it's starting to come together. There's a bunch more stuff to do, uh, in the space, but it's starting to become a little bit cozier and a little bit more like you know, like now that everything's kind of in a space, I'm starting to get a workflow, you know, and 
getting all of that together but um like this was all just concrete down here like i brought in some rugs i did one day where i just like mopped the whole basement because like <laughs> uh and like i don't know if you can see above there's like rafters and oh things. yeah and uh i literally i felt like luigi from luigi's mansion like i had like a hand vac and i was just like getting all of the cobwebs and and things out from uh in the in the rafters down here and it was like oh my gosh i was so scared the whole time like i just felt like spiders were gonna like pounce on me uh the yeah. whole time cleaning but yeah it's it's coming <laughs> together it's it's been a it's been quite a feat but i think we're like it's a good space it, it's feeling good um i'm i'm enjoying being down here a bit more and just you know making it feel cozier and yeah getting getting used to grand rapids life as well Nice. Yeah, it's it's probably interesting moving to like a city and then during, you know, COVID, it's like, okay, I can't really like do anything <laughs> like a, for a long period of time or at all or but Oh yeah. I'm sure you found like some spots or things you like already about the city. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, it is funny though because I literally haven't you know, like gone to a brewery or any, you know, like the thing that you would right. just normally do when you like come to Grand Rapids or, or something. So, you know, and just from, from touring around and you know, I've spent a, a good amount of time in Grand Rapids. I remember like back in high school, um, I was one of the state honors choir kids. Oh like I yeah. I did all the, all the choir stuff. And every year the MSVMA, uh, big thing would be, uh, here in Grand Rapids. So, uh, even through like throughout high school, I spent a lot of time here and I love the city. I just haven't, you know, had a chance to like hang out in the city yet because everything <laughs> has been, everything's been closed down, but, you know, hoping for, uh, hoping for a good summer, uh, potentially. And yeah, just looking forward to when it opens up. I did, I was able to do, um, in November, John Ball Zoo had this like light show walkthrough thing that they were doing as like a social distance event which was That's really cool. cool it was <laughs> just like a bunch of like cool light uh like placement art pieces uh just around the zoo and you could just walk outside and, and see everything so i have i have been to the zoo uh, but that's about as much that's about as much exploring as I've been able to do so far out here. But yeah, it's 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 nice settling in pretty good. Yeah, and well, and even like you know, because I I grew up in the city, and I always feel like every year there's some added element or like some dynamic is changing in a certain like area or like downtown. And and one thing that I'm excited for is this. Um, this uh place called gr noir that's going to be opening up um hopefully soon because they were they wanted to open up in november and that's when things were kind of starting to shut back down again mm -hmm. um or limit to take out uh but they're a wine and jazz bar and they want you know they're right next to rockwell's republic so it's kind of like oh, okay. you know another spot that's cocktails and jazz but you know wine and jazz and they want to like, you know, really emphasize having all different kinds of jazz, not just be like, you know, oh, it's the, this band plays every Monday and Tuesday and like, just have a rigid schedule. They want to, you know, that they were talking with people in the area. I went there the other day with Madison and, um, the talent buyer. Uh, I don't know if, have you met Kevin Jones yet? You know, I don't know. 
um, the name rings a bell. Uh, it's definitely possible. Um, but yeah. Yeah, he's a he's a percussionist that you know he teaches at courses at like Western, um, uh, you know, like African diaspora style, like teaching about that kind of percussion language. But he also, you know, has a extensive background touring with like, you know, I think he did like was it six years with with Whitney Houston back in the day, like, Oh, nice. And he's just, you know, he's got like a, 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 a wealth of knowledge and he's just like a very, you know, uh, kind person and very like open to like, you know, all these different styles. Like he want, obviously he's going to, you know, want to book like, you know, like, Oh, my friends, you know, who've been like, they deserve, you know, a, a, a slot. And then like, Oh, but these young guys, man, they're doing something cool. They're like, Oh, these guys from like, he's very like <laughs> looking all around at like, we got the jazz cafe, you know, a dirty dog jazz cafe in Detroit and like Baker's mm -hmm. keyboard lounge. And then, you know, the blue llama and Lansing, like the, there, there's an effort by the owner and Kevin to kind of take, you know, stuff from the East side of the state, and from Chicago and have them both see Grand Rapids as like a good middle point. For... Yeah. Like a, like completing the circuit. Yeah. Cause it, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I get, you know, an exclusivity clause, but you know, a, a, like I'm interested to see like when things do start opening up, mm -hmm. you know, what, what people are going to be like, you know what? I just want to like actually spend some time in my city. <laughs> feel like I haven't seen it in a while. <laughs> or like if people are going to be like, no, I'm going to drive across the country to see a thing. Cause I haven't been able to do that. <laughs> so, well, and I say, why not both? <laughs> yeah. Why, <laughs> why not do all of it? <laughs> Follow your favorite musician all around the country. Yeah. I saw you posting about the, the new jazz place in, in Grand Rapids coming up uh, the other day. It looked super interesting. Like that's the kind of place that I would love to go hang out. Like, like just the thought of a jazz bar right now to me is like mind blowing. Like I could just go to a place, drink wine and like watch some fantastic jazz. Like, yeah, sign me up right now. Yeah. it It's such, and you know, they, they're really trying to like, they made use of the space, um, you know, because uh, it's in that whole building is brand new um, next to Rockwell's. It used to just be an empty mm -hmm. lot. And um, oh, really? well, it, actually, it used to be it used to be a different building. And then that building started like literally leaning into Rockwell's. <laughs> so Yikes. they tore down that building. And yeah, now it's it's GR Noir plus places to live and. Um, oh, cool! Yeah, the, the vibe's pretty. Like, you know, it. I can I can easily see like you know coming in when it's like just starting to get dark and like, you know, it's very warm lighting, warm environment, and just grab some wine and <laughs> hear people. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, man. yeah, but yeah, it is weird. Like, I I, I think of like you know, all the usual things I would try and do with like, you know, like a Blue Water King's wedding or like, you know, like, oh, I'll go up early and go to the beach or I'll go do this and do that. Like a lot of it was just kind of like, just keeping an eye on like, okay, what's, 
<laughs> what's happening is everyone cool up here or like it's all going crazy like <laughs> oh man i feel it i feel it big time oh yeah oh man yeah but you've uh so you've been mainly just recording i mean you mentioned that you've you you've been uh recording for other people um but is it well, I guess you mentioned you've been recording for other people. You've been working with the accidentals. You know, you guys have been just churning out things <laughs> all this past year in the absence of being able to travel. Um, oh, yeah. What was, I mean, that's probably a very, like, I, I could see that decision being like, you know, kind of second nature for a trio to just kind of all get on the same page but the, it must have been a process to get to a point of like all right we got it figured out and <laughs> we're doing stuff oh yeah well and when we like came off the road in march it was kind of like okay let's like figure something out um and sav was starting to you know she was really beginning to dig into the live streaming thing i don't know if you ever saw that document that she made um that was like yeah the big live streaming doc it was like a 35 page dissertation <laughs> on like all the random things that could go wrong on like all the different streaming platforms yeah so like, she powerhoused that out within the first like month or so of quarantine and i had done um some streaming on twitch back in 2018 i kind of tried a, a jaunt on on twitch for a minute um and so i kind of like had a little bit of knowledge of it of kind of like you know the um the way you have to like send your audio through a bunch of other things is like one of the hardest parts of, of streaming. So the fact that like I'd already troubleshot that like years ago in a way was a good step up. But yeah, I mean, we just kind of hit the ground running um, at the beginning of, of lockdown. Um, we all went home for just a little bit. And then when we came back together, we were doing like daily live streams um, and doing a lot of um, co-writing as well seven seven katie ended up doing a lot of co-writing with a bunch of different people um but the live streams were were super interesting um because we we did like just the like the short um the daily breathers first hmm. which was like little 15 minute streams every day at noon um which was good because it kind of like set us on a schedule to like you know <laughs> get up get started for the day like you know have some gratitude as as we're beginning the day and then like move on to to starting to record um later in the day which um we ended up finishing our record um so nice. that's that's uh that's coming down the pipes eventually here um and working on a bunch of new music too but um yeah we <laughs> we we had a a crazy productive summer um at least in the way of just you know m keeping keeping the machine moving and and making sure that we were still, you know, uh, trying to give our fans a kind of musical experience that they wouldn't be having that summer, you know, and I think a lot of people too, I'm sure you felt this way, like just, just the festivals alone, like kind of having those not be a thing this year, I think kind of hit a lot of people hard, especially in the music scene here in Michigan, because festivals are such like a, like a core time for all of the music people to like see each other and yeah yeah converge <laughs> in, in into one space um though i will say there were there were definitely some good substitutes um i don't did you happen to catch the the ebird christmas show um that happened this december yeah i saw 
I saw promos for it and I and just seeing it, you know, I had one of the first streams I actually did uh, you know, it was I think it was the week the the wednesday like right after things were starting to look like it was going to shut down um mm-hmm. i went with mark lavengood and uh lauren kranz and we went over to um that space and did a stream and i was like wow like there's already such a nice setup and <laughs> like that's crazy <laughs> oh yeah but man that that live stream was was really nice like they they put it all together like I was I was just amazed at how many people were on that show like just because it was virtual like so many people were able to make videos and and send them in and then they put them all together and Aaron getting all the live band together like I I like just started crying at one point cuz I was just like this is so like they didn't have to do this but they did all the work this year to continue to make it a thing and like Oh man, that was that was such a nice moment this winter of just kind of like even though we weren't all there physically, like to see all of the musicians that I've come to know over the last few years just like all in one space virtually, you know, playing, sending that energy out. Like that was that was so nice to see this year, you know, in lieu of being able to give everybody hugs and and see everybody. <laughs> yeah, I think that that was definitely a good motivator over this past year was just like seeing people like you know not only just figuring it out and like trying things and seeing what sticks and you know sticking with certain ideas and really just trying to you know navigate the the you know the changing landscape but just to see like you know like with with earth radio uh getting to play once a month at rake beer project was awesome because uh, Justin Avdeck's brother-in-law ran a yoga class during that same day before the concert. So we would like, we'd get to like go into Muskegon. It's all outdoors. Like we'd set up early and then we'd kind of play improvised music to the yoga session and then get a little bit of a change over time and then play a show for people who, you know, paid like a small ticket fee. And it was like, it was great to see the people that came out to those shows uh, that rake beer was so, you know, right away. It was just like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Like let's do something outside since that's where everyone's playing. <laughs> and it, it's cool to like, see the people who really kind of stepped up in your corner or stepped up in, in, you know, take taking on a project like that eBird Christmas thing, like, <laughs> or like oh, the yeah. Dogtown thing I did. I I recorded some music, and they, you know, had a a streamed set showing showing all the people who submitted, and and then like showing how it all went on a, a Bandcamp album for like a fundraiser thing, and it was like, yeah, we did it. We did something, <laughs> and it all yeah. came together. It's it, yeah, it's this really cool (laughs) yeah absolutely i think just the just the fact that anybody was able to do anything like i'm i'm amazed when anybody creates anything because like once you've once you've created something and you've seen like what that process looks like you're like oh my gosh people people do this (laughs) like it, it like amazes me that like you can you know people can just have the fortitude to like see a project from start to finish especially 
you know, given the circumstances. So, yeah, kudos to, like, anybody who did anything yeah. in 2020, for real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I, I made that video of just a retrospect of the year, and it was you know, in my head, I'm like, Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I want to, you know, end the year on a good note. And I was just thinking like, oh, I'll reflect on what I did. And then as I'm like going through stuff, I'm like, Oh wow. I did a lot more than I thought I did. It was just mm -hmm. all like, you know, like clustered in different chunks of the year. Um, and that was, you know, it, it was cool to see that uh, the little changes I, I made to like, okay, if I can't, you know, play a lot of shows, like maybe I'll, you know, do more streams and do like fundraising and do like album reviews, like just things that I knew with the equipment I had and like the space that I had access to that I could do. And, yeah. and that's, it, it's, it's getting me closer to like all the people that I see that, you know, they build these, you know, it doesn't have to be an empire, but builds, they build like an audience and a, and a community around like, you know, sometimes just like all these Pokemon card YouTubers, all they do is point like camera at the cards, camera at their face. And then everyone's just like Pikachu, Charmant, like just freaking out about <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, it, 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 it kind of motivated me to start the Patreon finally after like, you know, years of being like, yeah, this sounds cool. And, trying live stream actually also on twitch um but it was for it was a, it was initially for um gaming uh with i was just like trying it because it was built into the ps4 i could just like send it out to twitch oh yeah but um yeah so i'm looking forward to this year kind of being the year of like actually focusing on what it it's weird because like i it's you know you work on things with projects and groups and and it's definitely like part of your growth and your goals and all that but then there's mm -hmm. those other things that you're like you know what i know i can do other things <laughs> <laughs> like i want to try those things and um yeah kind of making making a, a an avenue for me to work on these skills rather than you know just kind of sitting there and being like does anyone want me to like edit something so i can learn how to edit <laughs> like why don't i just make something and then learn how to edit it that way <laughs> oh exactly well it's funny you say that um but i, I do want to come back and talk about patreon too just because oh yeah like with the accidentals we've done a bunch of stuff um, but we'll get to that in a second. I, I want to say that, like, you know, making a thing just to, like, work on something. I'd, <laughs> I've been trying to, while I've been home, I've been trying to understand the mastering process a lot better. Um, and I've been doing a couple things for friends of just, you know, like, people letting me kind of guinea pig on their stuff and 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 see what, what can happen with it. But, like, I just, I was bored one night and I was like, man, I just want to, like, work on mastering. It was, like, one in the morning. So I ripped the audio from the Jacob Collier Tiny Desk concert that he did, that like Tiny Desk from Home, which is like yeah. one of my favorite things I've seen all year. Like that, I I loved that performance. But like I ripped the audio from it and like mastered it, like like remastered it again, like cut it up into songs, and now I just have like a tape on my iTunes that's <laughs> like the the 
the like the whole show in its own thing but it was one of those things where i was like i need to get better at this i just need to unabashedly work on it right you know just like really find ways to just you know work on it in whatever moment i'm like i'm in whether that's like just critical listening to somebody else's music or like you know just taking what you have and and trying to trying to work with it in whatever way um were you gonna say them oh i was gonna i was just thinking like uh jacob is a good example of like working on something to work on so like you know thinking i first found out about him when i was in like i think it must have been like early it was either you know like eighth grade or ninth grade and it was when he was you know also a teenager and he put out um that version of i saw three ships and it was like oh this kid's like playing multiple instruments multiple windows like he was doing he's been doing that for years and that was before anyone you know even cared who he was or paid attention to him and he was just like exploring how to be I don't know. It, it's almost like he needed an outlet for how many instruments he plays. <laughs> yeah, I'll start sure. my own band of me's. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was I like I I just loved that idea. Like in that tiny desk video where it was just the four of him. Like that's just fun. It's just fun to watch. Like yeah, oh yeah we're in the future. I forgot. You can just like build a band of yourself. Like fairly. Like I've got iMovie. I've got like my computer camera. If I really wanted to, I could potentially do something like that just because like the stuff is available. And I, I love that. Like people just bending, you know, anything that's available to them to their will to like make the stuff uh, that they want to make. Yeah. Um, I wanted to mention, um, like you were saying that you've really dug into the Patreon thing. Um, that has been really cool um, to see not only um, just with the accidentals and we do a lot of stuff on on our patreon as well but just like to see all of the other artists that are kind of starting to get onto the platform and and build their own you know like their own zone um, but I think it goes to what you said where it was like you know find the things that you're already interested in doing and you know instead of being like huh you know would somebody like it if i did this thing and just kind of like doing it because you enjoy it um like for for our patreon we have a bunch of different things but one of my favorite parts is um we do an album review bi-weekly ah. with some of our patreon folks and um they you know everybody who's in that tier of patreon gets to like submit an album that was like really, really important to them or that they love so much and everybody listens. It's like a book club, but like for records. And so like yeah. everybody goes and listens to it and then we all come back and just like talk about it. And it's so funny because like everyone's so honest. So like there'll be some weeks where like, you know, somebody will have, have an album that they like love and there'll be like one or two people in the group that are like, you know what? I didn't like this record. <laughs> <laughs> and like here's why but it's like an open discussion like it's it's all super friendly and i've learned a lot about a lot of different bands just from you know like the people on our patreon are awesome teachers as well and they've like pointed us to to different albums and things that i would have never come across on my own um and so it really is kind of like a give and take 
of like you know yes we're like a band providing a thing for fans but like the fans also get to like interact with you and like kind of you know insert their you know favorite things into your lives as well which is kind of cool <laughs> so i've been i've been really enjoying that aspect of um of of like having our band be on patreon and whatnot so yeah i'm I, I love seeing all the stuff that you're doing on patreon as well like it looks like you've got a a solid a solid system down well thanks yeah it's 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 definitely like you know i i think the first paid patreons i ever checked out were for um it was around the time i think it was 2015 or well i guess patreon started 2016 but in 2015, these guys uh, from IGN, the big video game media company, they left their very stable, very, you know, like they'd been there long enough to have a lot of creative control. They left it and, you know, this team of five people are like, all right, we're going to, you know, produce like podcasts and we're going to see what happens after that. And now cut to years later, you know, they have they've they went from like shooting in in uh in a shared like apartment space to like having a studio with like a video wall and now they're moving into an even bigger studio <laughs> and they're like able to do like you know more f as things open up again like they're going to be able to do bigger production type things they're able to hire other people in their sphere and uh and it all started with just like them seeing that they had an audience on this kind of side venture they were doing with the podcast and being like oh we could like you know build build something out of this and you know they went from one successful patreon to that wasn't focused on video games it was just kind of focused on you know like talking about life and and the topicless podcasts with just goofy people to then you know everyone's like but you were in video games talk about video games so they made like the video game version of the brand and like that patreon did well and then they just keep expanding and uh they do a lot of they're really good at like you know checking in with their fans they have you know a big some big fan event every year in addition to like you know convention visits they'll like you know they threw a prom one year they threw a variety show with a bunch of like you know people that had been on the podcasts and like other fun people in their sphere and at the top of the year they kind of do a big trailer for a fundraiser push to be like here's what we want to do this year and then it's like you know they pull in 80 grand for that month <laughs> from patrons to like Jeez. build a new thing or so they've yeah it's it's cool to see like like what investing in like get you know putting something out there seeing who is interested in it and then just re reinvesting back into those people totally like and, and making like. it accessible you yep. know to where like you know before before a thing like patreon existed i probably would have thought you know oh well like how do i just like you know be a patron to a band other than just like you know buying a cd or buying you know their their merchandise like 
I think that it's it is kind of like an investment in it. Like if you know, if you want to, it's almost like a like a perpetual Kickstarter where it's like, <laughs> you know, if you want to see this thing exist, like, you know, just come on board with us and 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 hang out for a while. <laughs> yeah, you know, like un understand the the lay of the land here. <laughs> yeah, and and it's you know this the space kind of makes it you know easy to get in and just like check things out even if it's like oh i'll spend five bucks and listen to some podcasts see if i like it or mm -hmm. um and i've i've also offered like because i have you know I've, I've been asked over the years like oh do you teach do you have a studio and it's like i don't really but now i'm offering you know like half hour or hour uh consultations um, with the, you know, people who subscribe at that tier also get everything else. But, um, some people are inter interested in that. And I have one, one student right now who, uh, uh, actually George Herschel from Desmond Jones, <laughs> he's the oh, nice. saxophone player. And, uh, you know, he, he took the hour and split it up into like bi-monthly lessons. So that's been nice to you know see people who like because i didn't even think about that like oh maybe someone wants me an hour on a tuesday and it's like oh that makes way more sense you could just split it up <laughs> into two sessions oh, and yeah. um yeah it's been fun just kind of like making things um and seeing you know what other ideas i have now that i'm getting more comfortable with video um i'm starting to like you know think about putting things up on youtube and like you know expanding what's possible for what things i put out that are free and then that also attract people to like want to invest in the like the patreon portion of it <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah well and speaking of creating things I wanted to I wanted to talk about uh, the piano that you threw on the the demo that I sh that I sent your way. Oh yeah, <laughs> because um, that was that was wonderful. I think that um, one of one of my like needs in life because I'm not a piano player at all. Like <laughs> I I can kind of plunk out some things, and I've tried to learn piano like multiple times in my life. And it just has never clicked. Like, I think it's the, like, individual finger movements that I always get stuck at. Even, like, we're, like as a drummer, I know that I'm, like, you know, doing all my legs and hands are moving at once. But I, right. like, don't have the dexterity to, like, individualize all of those. All the... So, like, to just, like, hear you play piano over something that I, that I like, threw your way, it's, like... <laughs> instant endorphins like it's it's everything that i wanted it's like all the good chords like you know all the good chords to just put in those places like um and i'm sure eventually it'll it'll come out in in some way shape or form or fashion so anybody listening can hear it yeah but um you know it just it's it's so much fun like i think i think this time in in 2020 has really like shown me the power of collaboration like really and truly um because like you know i was like man i was just sitting in the basement i was like man i really just want some like just jazz chords over everything like you know and and our our friend lauren was like send it to dutcher 
Like, why, why, why are you not? Like, just do it. Like, text him. He'll be, he'll be down for it. <laughs> and I was like, okay. You know, and just being a person who's kind of written that line between introvert and extrovert, sometimes I'm just nervous to reach out to people because, you know, it's social interaction, especially in this year where I think, you know, social interaction has definitely been on like a downward uh, trend, at least person to person. Um, right. But, you know, I'm, I'm so glad I did because when I was listening to it yesterday, like you just put some things exactly in the spots that I was like picturing in my mind. Um, cause I just, I sent you like a bass guitar and drum track basically, you know, with like maybe a little piano thing or something in the background, but, um, like it is, it, it is so rad. Um, just awesome. the way, <laughs> yeah, just like the way that, the way that you were kind of like just buzzing over those chord changes, like chord changes are something that I can't do all too well, at least like quickly, you know, like jumping to chord changes is, is fairly difficult for me. That's why I'm kind of more into like a shoegazy indie route because with like long held out notes, because that's right. something that I can, that I, you know, feel in a good space to do. Um, but like those, those kinds of chord changes are just wild. Like, I don't know, like, I guess how, when you're going into a piece, like if somebody sends you something, like, how did you get to where you got to in like, um, making those like changes happen? Like, did you kind of have to listen to the song and like, plunk, like plunk out what chords were happening where? Like, yeah. what, what's your process when it comes <laughs> to like working on stuff like that? Because I feel like everybody has a different a way of going about it. Yeah. So, it, and I feel like my process has improved over the last year with collaboration and getting the office at third coast and being able to mm. jump in on random sessions. Um, like I have one that's next week that I don't know what it is and I know <laughs> nobody sent me anything, but that's usually Sweet. how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually I, I, I listen to a tune and then I kind of play along with it. Sometimes I'll listen and then play along, but um, uh, this one, I, li I listened to it and I was playing along, just kind of getting a feel for like, all right, what's, what's, what chords are happening? What, you know, especially with like the guitar and bass notes, it left a lot of room for like, okay, I can, you know, not feel nervous about adding a, another thing and, and really just trying to go off of, um, off of instinct, um, because mm -hmm. you know there's so many there's so many times where like it in my life in general just with normal things like you go somewhere and there's a menu and you're like wow what do i want <laughs> there's so many it's like i like all these things do i want it's like oh i had i had pasta last time i came here but do I, it's so good but like it, it i want music to not be that hang up <laughs> Yeah, I want to be able to just like, you know, like go with the gut reaction and then like, so I, I was playing along with it and just kind of getting a feel for the sections, seeing like, okay, this, this, you know, the E major and minor switching, like, what could I do at that space? Uh, also thinking of how the verse is a little bit more sparse. So do I want to like, I, I thought about like 
what what you know i i played with the guitar and bass thinking like oh do i want like this <laughs> like does that sound cool but then you know i was thinking like oh there's you know that still leaves a lot of space like everything else is already doing the that rhythm so like what could i do that's a little simple addition on top of it um and i picked i picked that road sound because i like something about like just like a like a not a lo-fi warbly but like a, a spacey phasery type roads is always a cool like it's like a little bit warm it's a little bit you know there, it's, there, it's hard to beat a road sound honestly <laughs> like the roads is just you know it's like the it's like the swiss army knife of texture in recordings like you can do so much with it and without even like changing its sound all that much like it just fits i think that's why like it's such a you know a key instrument in like the zeitgeist of recorded music is because it like just is that pleasing warm like inviting tone that you can like add to a to a to a piece of music yeah and and as a you know a you know i grew up taking classical music and i got i got my first keyboard when i was in high school and that was the first time kind of not just hearing certain sounds but starting to like play certain sounds and be like oh okay this has a different touch or feel or i can do these kind of colors with it um that's one reason i like you know working with third coast is because they have you know a b3 a c3 a grand baby grand rose yeah, early <laughs> farfisa like <laughs> you just throw anything and and just have the option to like they're all kind of kind of clustered together usually so it's easy to just like oh let's throw a mic on the your mics on the leslie and put it in the iso booth let's have piano mics let's put the roads direct like whatever <laughs> just jump around to different keys um but yeah i liked i liked the roads also because i i felt that it it's a nice like kind of dreamy color um that yeah it just felt good playing it it was it was the it was literally the first sound I went to after listening to, because I, I did listen to it like, you know, when you sent it a while ago. And then mm -hmm. when I revisited it, I was like, oh, yeah, like this road sound would be sweet. Well, and the track kind of is like, like I was listening to a lot of Tame Impala when I when I made the first demo. So it kind of has that like, you know, extreme compressed drums and like, you know, just that like big punchy, you know, kind of stomp feel to it that a lot of the Tame Impala tracks have. Um, but it was just like drums and bass. And I think that that like that road sound really like it makes anything smoothed out because like the track is like very jaunty and like rhythmic. And so yep. to like just suddenly have like a sea of smoothness on top of like the rough <laughs> and rowdy rhythm section like that's the kind of juxtaposition in music that i love to hear is when like you have two things that like are just so uh, like in opposition to each other you would think yeah but, like you kind of bring them together and it creates a whole like soundscape that just works because you have like an undercurrent going 
uh, through the whole thing to where like the piano in that case doesn't have to be the rhythmic instrument. Like it is then, you know, going to be the instrument that like either leads it or like kind of fills in all of the sonic, you know, the rest of the sonic palette there. And so I'm just, I'm elated. I'll just tell you that. Like I'm, I'm awesome. super excited to, to continue working on the demo and, and, and see what happens with it. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I forget too, like with, you know, I'm, I'm trying to take, especially, you know, having the Patreon now and checking out some of Jack Conti's like talks on different subjects. Um, his whole idea of like work to publish is such, it, it's like, it's such a simple idea of like, Oh yeah. You work on something with the goal of it's going to be put out like either a hard deadline or you know it's coming out like you're going to put it out there's no you know finishing it and then being like oh, i don't know i don't want to put it out anymore <laughs> or like oh this is stupid like it 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 makes sense in terms of like you keep putting stuff out you you know you're continually having to start a new thing see how it gets to a certain point finish it put it out you get better with your process and tools and stuff um well and i think just putting it out too is like the most important thing because like that is one of the major ways you kind of learn how your tools i guess let me let me put it this way yeah <laughs> um before i was mixing and mastering my own stuff i didn't know how much degradation and compression happened when a song um, was released to like a streaming service mm. and you know it completely changed the way that i had to think about um like how to mix tracks or like how to get the sonic balance in a track correct but i wouldn't have known that had i not like actually put the music out and like this year i think i've put out more music this year than i have like ever um not only just because i had the time to but because i wanted to just keep moving like there's some tracks that i put out in november that i probably could have worked on a little bit more i probably could have re-recorded some parts you know potentially maybe done a little bit of a remix but i wanted to get them out of there because i needed to stop thinking about them <laughs> like i there were just other things that i wanted to do and i think that i see a lot of people and and friends will like just get like trapped under the minutia of like a, like a certain thing that annoys them in a song and like i i will always tell people like put it out work on the next thing like do that thing that annoyed you in this song let it go like make it right in the next time like in the next song you know because i it, it's taken me every time i've put out a record it's been like four years between records and it's because i will nitpick myself to death and so like this year was kind of you know one of my mission statements for this year was like just put out a bunch of music you know, don't, don't make it, don't make yourself wait four more years to put something else out. Like just keep working through it and eventually you'll just keep, you know, making progress. Yeah. I, you know, I see that in, in artists like, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Logan Kane. He's a mm -hmm. young bass player who I met a couple years ago. Um, he, uh, I first heard him like he's just one of those talented like California killer bass players like 
you know, can plays with like Lewis Cole, Dave Biddy, oh, yeah. like all these killer dudes, and he's like 23. And he <laughs> so like uh I had first heard he did an album with um you know uh Henry Solomon, who's like a frequent collaborator of his on saxophone, uh Jacob Mann, who you know plays with Noah on the live <laughs> tours and has his own projects and uh is he the person that's potentially in clown core uh no that dude is uh i think it's sam gendel who's another like nowhere sphere collaborator (laughs) dude (laughs) yeah nowhere satellite (laughs) (laughs) like just in the yeah in in the the orbit (laughs) But yeah, show myself out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh but, God! I just snorted on camera. <laughs> edit. But, edit this out. Yeah. None of this happened. <laughs> this is exclusive for patrons. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like it, it, it. So he put out this really cool album. Um, also featured a guitarist. I ended up, you know, falling in love with his music. Uh, Pedro Martin. Martins, Martins, he's a Brazilian oh, dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I, yeah, I heard his album Outside World, um, and then he was, or he plays in um, Thumpasaurus, if you know that band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like he was playing Forest in 2019 uh, with Thumpasaurus, and him and. Uh, uh, what's his name? Paul Cornish, uh, a, you know, a, another young, super talented, went to like Monk Jazz Institute, I think, or like just credentials already. Like, did a, a record last year with, uh, or like maybe it was the tail end of 2019. He did it with, um, you know, it, it was a project Terrace Martin put together for a live show, and Kamasi Washington's on it, and like a bunch of great players but they were both there you know in the area a day early and i was like hey you guys should come like play hugo clauden space he's got a cool you know artist loft like a lot of folks who just need somewhere to just kind of let loose to come and play i talked to hugo and we threw it together like in a week and um there's still i think the video is still up from that whole concert but it's it was just sitting there being like, whoa. And then seeing that energy go into like, you know, three different releases over the last year for him. Like, like a, he recorded a Nanet album with, you know, a large ensemble. He did uh, all of the old recordings he had under another project name. Uh, what was it Op- Open Eyes, The Boy Phoenix? <laughs> He put all of that out. The boy Phoenix. <laughs> and uh and then like also put out another record with like some of his friends. Uh or or no, it was a record him like doing a lot of the instrumentation and production with his saxophonist friend. Um and I was like, oh yeah, like that's you should if you're surrounded by people who can help make something come alive like yeah why not just make a bunch of things and then 
have in your head like all right i know i'm gonna need keys let's talk to that person and guitar let's talk to that person like just see yeah what happens (laughs) (laughs) instead of sitting on it (laughs) well because like again it's like the worst somebody could say is no i i can't do that right now you know like there's not (laughs) there's not going to be like any terrible repercussions of you like asking somebody if they can do a thing um but like I think that's I think that's super true, and um, you know I'm just I'm I'm so looking forward to um, the festivals coming back, um, and especially like Harvest Gathering. Um, like anybody who's in the music scene in Michigan knows that Harvest Gathering, like nobody goes to Harvest Gathering like to get paid, like it's it's solely so everybody can hang out and see each other's bands and like talk about collaborating and then like run from stage to stage. Have you been to Harvest Gathering? Earth Radio played. Yeah, the so 2019 was like, you know, because Earth Radio started like august we started recording our first album august of 2017 and then we kind of had a loose year in 2018 doing some shows working on the next record and then 2019 was when we did you know our kickstarter we played a few festivals like and 20 it was 2019 the year that we did the show at bells together yeah yep the one uh uh, was it like april or something yeah (laughs) with uh lipstick jody and yeah that was a sweet show (laughs) (laughs) i love that photograph of everybody just like on the back patio (laughs) like hanging out like that was a that was a great show there was just so much cool stuff because i think that was the first time i had actually caught you guys like live in full um, cause I think that, I think that we had been either at a festival or some, some show together before that. And I like caught like a song cause I was running to something else and I was like, Oh, I want to check that out. So like to be able to play that show with you guys was so, was so much fun. Um, cause we just got to hang and listen. Like, yeah, that's always nice. Yeah. It was, it was nice to just like have a show where like, you know, everybody on the lineup is like like not just a like cool person but like you could tell they put a lot of work into what they're doing and it's like this kind of mutual like oh yeah we're all working like doing cool stuff we all have our own focuses and like it's it's just fun to like you know enjoy a full show without like you know i don't think i there there wasn't a point ever the whole night where i was like you know, because sometimes you you might be tired from like a long week or like you know something happens. But I I felt you know energized and like in it that whole night. <laughs> oh yeah, but um, so to harvest gathering. Yeah. Um. It, it, did Did you guys play in 2019? Is that was that a thing that happened? Yeah, we did. Um, we played whatever that stage is called that's not near any of the other stages it's like the furthest away from uh farmer's market yeah is it, was it under like a blue tent yes okay yep. yeah, yeah yeah so we played that stage uh i also played on that stage with mark lavengood um and yeah that was my first time because it's it's weird like the a lot of the um the experiences I had in the music scene were like in tandem with me going to school. So there was a lot of times where like, you know, when I played with the gravestones for a few years and that was like 
basically, you know, it was me, Justin Abdeck, Justin Weringa, and Mario, <laughs> and and you know, supporting Hannah, and and sometimes we'd add horns, and um, like she would get an opportunity to play somewhere, and I would have like you know, like oh, we're playing this festival, like probably Harvest Gathering was one of them, um, but you know when i was at grand valley it was like oh that's when the new music ensemble does a set of chamber music at a festival in detroit like i can't i can't make it <laughs> and it's like all these conflicting or like really dumb things like you know projects i didn't want to have to work on or things i you know things that were just kind of like the semantics of being in school of like okay we're getting together to do a thing even though <laughs> Like two people are doing all the work, but um, yeah, that that was another weird thing about you know 2019 going into 2020. It was such, it was the first time, you know, I had only really tried booking like where I'm the one sending out emails and trying to put things together. the The first time was with uh, when August uh, the the gr band um mm -hmm. when they first started getting going in 2017 um olivia was taking lessons with the professor i had studied with at grand valley and he was now teaching at aquinas oh nice. and he was like oh yeah dutcher could help you book and i'm like what <laughs> i've never done that and then it turned into like i worked for mark lavengood for a year um and that was kind of my first time trying to be in an office space at third coast and and then i you know with earth radio kind of taking more shape um after uh, after madison joined the band um we you know i i hit the ground as hard as i could january february when i was doing a, a musical residency in luddington and i basically was just living in luddington for two months where my Wait, days like right at the beginning of 2020 uh or well, 2019. 20, 2019 and 2020. So, oh, so gotcha. in 2019, okay. it was like, you know, like, okay, I have this time during the day I can book. And then that resulted in all, you know, all these festivals, a lot of them I hadn't been to like harvest gathering farm block mm -hmm. just because of schedule conflicts and not getting to play them. <laughs> I, yeah. you know, I got that taste of like, Oh yeah. that like, these are why these festivals are cool and why people like it. And then, 2020 started off pretty much the same way aside from also going to nam for the first time and i was which like, is uh it's a whole thing <laughs> it's, oh my god <laughs> <laughs> nam I, is just ridiculous have you been like I, i'm sure with the was it with the accidentals or was it like just through other stuff yeah i i've been to nam twice um, yeah, the first time was in 2017, and it was so funny because the the California drought ended while Nam was going on, and oh. when that happened, it was like just three days of monsoon, pouring rain, like in 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 California, which was like unheard of. Like I remember deciding to walk back to our hotel one day and just got caught in like the insane downpour like i was i was soaked like to my bones like there was it was, i was so wet but um in 2019 uh we went in 2019 and it was literally the week after our trailer was stolen 
like we were on our way uh, to Nam when that happened. So we like hopped in a minivan and drove to California. That week is one of the most tired I I've ever been in my entire life. We would, you know, cause we were staying in like the Koreatown area of LA and then driving oh, yeah. to Anaheim every day, which is its own adventure you know, just trying to navigate the freeways. And the only person who could drive was our sound engineer, Evan, because he was the only one older than 25 to like drive the rental vehicle. Oh yeah. So he was just like, happened to, you know, take on LA traffic for like a whole week, wow. um, like solo. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was an insane year. A lot of good came from that year though. Um, like I, I, uh, signed on with dream symbols that year, um, which I'm, I'm getting the new symbol in. I just, I just ordered, uh, it's a, it's a rivet symbol. It's my first rivet symbol. So Ooh. I'm, I'm so happy. Uh, cause I've, I've been using like the chain for a while. Oh yeah. Um, like chain on the symbol, but I was, and, um, when, it, I, when we were finishing recording our new record with the accidentals, there was a song that we just needed a rivet symbol on. And I just didn't have fun. So we ended up borrowing one from one of my drummer buddies up in um, up in Traverse City. And after that, I was like, I got to get myself one of these. <laughs> like, it's so, especially if you're doing like recording, like those symbols are used so much in in recording land, like almost to the point where I was like, yeah, why is this not a part of my toolkit yet? Right. Um, but yeah, so 2019 was the year that I, I hopped out with dream symbols and, and we've been super fortunate to like, you know, have a, have a ton of sponsors behind us, um, for quite a few years now, you know, we're, we're repped by shore, uh, oh, yeah. and, and Fender and, uh, Takamini as well. Um, they've been so awesome, uh, in helping us, uh, you know, over the years so it was cool to go to nam too and to kind of and be able to play a few of the like booths and things like that like in those opportunities to really be on the on the floor like you know talking with all of the reps and you know because what was funny is we would get questions on like because we've just toured so much that like our microphones like i think there was one point where somebody wanted a microphone sent back so they could see what kind of damage we did to it um, I can't remember if that was real or not, but it, I, I think it was, um, but yeah, it's just been, it's been super cool. But yeah, Nam, we were going to go back, um, I guess what would have been this year, but mm -hmm. no longer. We are part of, um, Takamini is doing like a, like a virtual Nam booth, um, oh, cool. where they're, they've gotten a bunch of artist videos. So I think Sav and Kate are, are part of that. Uh, video talking about their guitar setups and everything so we're like kind of still at nam in spirit this year um but yeah i i would love to go back to nam now that it's it's almost like south by southwest in that way of you have to just go and observe the chaos and like be in the middle of it like the first yep. year you go to either nam or south by southwest like it's tough <laughs> like you just have to like jump right in and get the lay of the land but then like after you know after you've gone a couple times like you kind of understand the flow and and how everybody operates but i'll be interested to see if it if it operates in a similar way after you know once once everybody can get back together um i sure hope so because i would i would love to go back there uh at the next chance i did get to go um in 2019 to pasic in indianapolis oh, nice. that was my first time going there 
as a drummer, it felt like I went home. <laughs> it was just like all drums, everything. And it was like, like it was like a NAM for drums. <laughs> oh, yeah. And like, well, and the funniest thing about NAM is that they have the noise ordinance in the in the hall right. where like the drums aren't supposed to be played. So like you go to Drum World at Nam and like everyone's trying to be like really quiet, but at Pasic, it was just drummers. So it was like the noisiest, <laughs> like most wonderful, everybody playing everything at once type deal. Um, <laughs> it was a lot. But then again, we were all drummers. Everybody had earplugs, and they like had giant bowls of earplugs at the beginning of the of like the the floor oh, to like yeah. grab and 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 have with you. So like I was kind of bummed. I was going to try to go back uh, this year as well, um, but yeah, shout out to shout out to Dream Symbols for for helping me get into Pasic last year, or I guess two years ago now. Um, but yeah, I hope to see all those guys again soon because they they really helped us out. Um, but yeah, Nam, what what was your experience at Nam? Yeah, so it I went kind of with a group of people. Um, you know, I carpooled down with, uh, L and Scott and Kevin, um, and we went, or we, we carpooled to Chicago and then flew out, um, is what I meant. Not drove all the way. To Anaheim. <laughs> I was like, where are you coming from? Seattle? <laughs> yeah. We just drove, you know, I, I mean, I had, I did when I first went to LA for, uh, it was Ralph Alessi's, um, he does a summer session called this the school of improvised music where he he does workshops focused around uh like free jazz and using it as like a tool and 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 you know not just thinking of it as like an esoteric like it's you have to achieve nirvana to understand <laughs> what's going on it's you like you must achieve enlightenment to play giant steps yeah it was like it was understanding like how you could use something that seems so fluid and disjointed as free jazz as, as a way to, uh, to structure the ebb and flow of a tune or like transitions or, you know, how to, ex we did it. I remember doing a tune, uh, Miss Anne, uh, by Eric Dolphy and we arranged it to where it just, it kept getting the melody just, you know, started at a certain speed. There's little textures happening. And then as the me melody kept getting faster and faster and faster, like the rhythm section just starts going crazier and like doing things around the melody and playing off of each other. And then it just explodes at the end into a <laughs> like no solos, just like all expression. And so, but when I, when I did that trip uh, with Brad Fritcher and our friend uh, Ryan Wallace, we took shifts and drove from grand rapids all the way out to la oh wow and it was like yeah i was i got a shift going into like i think through nevada like like coming out of colorado going into whatever way yeah ending up in nevada and that was like one to six a.m <laughs> just oh, like God. the worst driving time oh, um man. but yeah so it, we that group for Nam, we flew out, um, and then when we got there, the Airbnb was like those four people: uh, Caleb Elzinga, um, Eli Khan, um, and 
this person, uh, what's her name? Shelby Olive. She's uh, an Ohio artist and music educator. And she's does like a, she does a great job with, I think it's because she is so used to like being animated and like, you know, exciting for younger kids that she teaches. Like she's really good at TikTok and Instagram. And, oh, nice. Um, uh, but she was there and then, uh, Joe Sturgill and, uh, who, yeah, Joe Sturgill and, um, uh, who else was there? It was, it was really like combined into like renting two cars and like an Airbnb, <laughs> um, with a bunch of people. And I was there, uh, I got a pass through, um, uh, Cusack music um out in holland they gave me an exhibitor pass and i just had to you know pay everything else but i at least had a way into the convention and i i had a good yeah like you know first time being overwhelming i still had a good first <laughs> trip um i got to like you know work the booth a few times um especially since mark heisinger the sales rep got sick <laughs> oh geez. like the second day is like i can't i it's like i'm already hit with, with i'm already sick and um you know his <laughs> in this like super loud conference you know convention center he's like i get to the booth um which cusack had a you know, a little space on a table as part of a larger um, exhibit put on by Delicious Audio. Gotcha. So like, you know, like a Danish guitar accessory company and a French pedal company. And was that in the basement? Uh, no, it was actually on on the main floor, which was cool. So I, I knew I could go and like get to like, oh, uh, Ghost Notes playing at the chord booth. I could run over and... <laughs> Like, or, oh, uh, this other person, Seymour Duncan Booth, like, that made it at least good. When I got done working a, you know, a three-hour stretch, I would be able to go see some things and try some things. Um, but it was so funny with Mark's breakdown of, like, all these pedals. Like, I had known some of them that Cusack and Mojohan effects do, but this convention center is so loud. <laughs> He's like explaining all the pedals on the pedal board and it's like okay so this one's a distortion pedal it's got a little bit of sound, and this one's a fuzz and it's a reverb pedal with a little bit and make sure you turn it. and i'm like what <laughs> happening <laughs> and then he's like okay i'm going to lunch and i'm like uh <laughs> i'm just like quick looking at the website like i think he said this one was a dry okay that one says dumble so it's an amp <laughs> stimulator pedal thing like it's just you just had to like learn real quick <laughs> whatever yeah and, did. and luckily most people were just like you know they plug in the guitar into and like try it with the headphones and like press different things and ask pretty basic questions well and like with pedals too it's kind of like you know you can tell somebody a, a pedal does a b and c but you really just have to mess around with it and like you know, see if it's the tone you're looking for anyways, you know, like, you know, to a certain extent, at least. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and every, you know, few people, it, I, I met some reps through, through it, which was cool. Just to, you know, I met the, 
um, the JHS pedal guy. Oh, <laughs> um, nice. Because he was going to feature uh, a pedal I now have that was kind of like my payment. <laughs> um, the Dream Mender <laughs> that they put out, which is a Ooh. cool like Memory Man clone. And uh, it like he was going to feature it on the show. So he, his YouTube show. So he came over and took some pictures, but there were a couple of people who would ask like, you know, really specific, like circuitry, like things I had no, like they, they're assuming I like built everything. And I'm like, I don't know anything about any of that, but you know, she just had like the schematics on hand. Yeah. It's like here, <laughs> build your own. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> but well you know that's a good point like why would you (laughs) why would you like tell them all of that like detailed information like you never know somebody like i know a bunch of electrical engineers that could easily just you know solder a pedal together if they knew how to make it like yeah one of the one of those weird things of like you know (laughs) things are things are so easy to make if you just like dig into it for like a couple hours like, I don't know. I've found, anyway, random tangent. Um, but yeah, man, like, I don't know. The booths at NAM are like, I, I I think that is a a phenomenon that is like across all booths that it almost seems like everybody working the booth, like was kind of thrown into that position kind of quickly, um, like, which, uh... yeah, and is kind of NAM in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah (laughs) you know but like obviously people know what they're talking about and know what they're doing but it's just everybody's like so flustered (laughs) for like that whole weekend that it's like the most you can sometimes get out of a person is just like here's my business card okay here's my business card thanks talk to you later like in in a month (laughs) like i'll send you an email after all this is done (laughs) yeah and and to like you know the you want to be able to like you know, sit down at a booth and try something or, you know, have ask people questions. But in that environment, like I almost, I almost felt like being on the other side of it, having to like, you know, get people's attention. I couldn't do the kind of carnival barker type thing that, uh, cause I, I would trade shifts with um, Tom wall and Tom, you know, he'll just like, Hey, you like pedals? Check this. And I'm like, Oh, is it that easy? Apparently it's that easy <laughs> to get people to look at you. Man, some people are built <laughs> for that though. Yeah. You know, some people just have that like certain tone of voice or like presence of being to where like if they're talking, you just kind of like have to like look and listen. I don't know. <laughs> like I there's there's a few people that I think of that like just have that that stature of like you know, they can just command a room by like walking into it. <laughs> yeah. yeah but, well, and that's, that's kind of where like, you know, uh, another, I guess, side tangent back to thinking about Patreon, like having to think about me as more public facing with all the things that have kind of built up over the years and the people I've met and, you know, the community that I'm in, um, as soon as like t-shirts with my face were going out i'm like okay i can't really just be in the background anymore i can't just be like this like worker bee and like everyone else is tasting the honey but they don't know that i made it like i need to just kind of be up and out in front a little bit more um and the only time i've had to do that 
like on a consistent basis was the I did a summer as a camp counselor and I was working with kids as young as like eight and as old as like I was 19 at the time having like 18 year olds in my cabin and just having to you know with the young kids always be energy always be like pulling you know like focus on me because if you don't like you're gonna start <laughs> bickering or you're gonna start running around or so mm-hmm. uh to yeah to get to uh, that convention environment and be you know just kind of like oh my gosh and like the one booth next to me they had like a uh they were featuring like pedals, reverb pedals you could hook up to physical tanks that you could like mount onto a pedal board. And then uh, a like a spinner on a tremolo pedal that had these magnets to kind of create drag and like eventually slow it to a stop. But they had like these very visual like, oh yeah, slap this reverb tank, spin this thing, like see what oh, it does. It's so specific. <laughs> It's like, I think that's one of the things that floored me about Nam, especially if you were to go into the basement, like just the boutiqueness and like specificity of some of the things like, like, like some piece of gear that does one specific job and like that specific job only. And yet like anybody who knows how to use it needs it because it's like, Oh, I've been trying to do this for years. But like to somebody who wouldn't know that would just be like, like, what is this like weird device that does this one thing? And it's like $200. Like, you know, but again, it's, it's so insane to me. Like people are constantly trying to figure out like the easiest way to do a thing. Um, especially in the audio world, it's insane what kinds of things are out there. Yeah, like I, I just, you know, I think about. So the the company next to me, I was, I talked with a lot more because it was the the rep they had, other than the two like you know salespeople. It was an artist, uh, this guy Sven, who, um, uh, you know, great kind of jazz neo soli guitar player who could also kick it into rock mode and shred if he needed to um we would talk a lot uh just because we were there a lot of the day and uh the booth on the other side of me was like a danish company that the guy like i guess it was owned by a guy who used to work for tc electronics at like the management level and it was a device that you essentially like I think the idea is you replace a tone knob or you add a tone knob slot on your guitar, but instead of a uh, the knob controlling your tone, it controls a uh, MIDI expression. So you can like connect this receiver to your pedal board, like oh, your big sky, like you could just roll off and on your reverb with oh, your that's guitar cool. knob. And and I was like, that's so specific, but so useful for people who want to like explore like you know being able to control you know that easily instead of just only having foot control or well especially in like a live setting you Mm -hmm. know like those kinds of things like even even with guitar pedals because i've only played out live like as a guitarist like you know not not a ton um and i only got to play a couple of shows with with my tree skin project early in 2020 
but like just trying to manage pedals is like its own like circle of hell like <laughs> you know there's so many things to take into consideration i go back to the thing of i don't understand how anyone does anything <laughs> but like just trying to get everything into a space that that sounds good and then like man like being a drummer is one thing because you kind of like set up you're kind of in the back like you kind of just have your setup especially for me because i don't use like pads or anything like that so i'm not setting up like a laptop or anything next right. to me so i've kind of been lulled into that like false sense of security of like oh yeah so i show up to a show i just throw my drums up like it is what it is and like yep. I slap some mics on, like good to go. But then like being a guitarist and like even a lead singer, it's kind of like, oh, now I have to think about what to do with my legs, you know, too, <laughs> when you're like standing up. Um, but then like the guitar pedals thing in the middle of the show, I accidentally like bumped one of my gain knobs on like a distortion. So like I, I hit it the next time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, boom, I'm like, oh shoot. <laughs> like, you know, that, that's about par for the course. Like, but again, like I, you know, going back to what we said early on in the podcast was like, you know, you're not going to get better at something until you just do it a bunch so like yep those those pedals that are just like for those specific like minutiae of of a second of a thing like just means those people have been doing this for tens of thousands of hours to the point where they've found the one like chink in their armor where it's like they just need to fill this little hole with like something very specific and like you know and somebody has invented it, which is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I think of like, there is a funny story of, you know, I, I think of specificity. I, I was with Caleb walking the downstairs area and the audio area. And um, he was looking at different booths for um, like clip-on mic options. And we ended up at the Audio-Technica booth and you know, he's talking to a rep about a mic and I'm just kind of looking at like, Oh, that's cool. Like these different things. And then <laughs> some, I hear someone go like, I, you know, someone nearby at the same booth was like, it's like, gee, I wonder if someone could help me with this turntable. And I was like, that's funny. Like who's, who's just being that weird, like calling that out. And I turn and it's like, it's like Hannibal Burris with like an entourage of people. <laughs> and he's like, I would sure love to buy one of these turntables. And I like walked over to the sales rep and I'm like, that's Hannibal Burris. And she's like, who? I'm like, he's like an international. Like, help him. Yeah, I'm like, help him. He's, he wants to buy a turntable. He's an internationally known comedian. with a And pop. I can like hear his voice too because he just has that specific <laughs> delivery. I'm trying to find this turntable. Nobody's going to help me with a turntable. I'm trying to like listen to all my music, but I can't. Like, oh, I, I love Hannibal Burris so much. <laughs> There's yeah. a great video. Um when JPEG Mafia put out his last record, um, he did a bunch of like showing the record to other artists and them like being disappointed. And one of them was him at the Wilco loft in Chicago showing Jeff Tweedy, but then like Jeff Tweedy's friends with Hannibal Burris. So it was just like JPEG Mafia, Jeff Tweedy and Hannibal Burris hanging oh. in a studio like listening to this record. And it's like the weirdest video ever. And I love it. Like the fact that that just came together anyway. All topics aside, 
Um, yeah. There was there was something that we didn't talk about the last time that we talked. Oh yes, I've just wanted to gab about, and that is the music of Bill Wirtz. Oh yes. <laughs> All right. So, and the fact that he's like posting again, I know you've been seeing the posts because yep. I've been seeing that you liked them and, and whatnot, just but like, I'm, I'm so excited. I know anything. I'll take anything. I'll take like vines again. If he just wants to start making vines again, like go for it. Seven seconds. Yeah. He, he's like the, the amount of like, cause I, I see, you know, like I think the most prominent person who's like, well, I can think of three things that I, in terms of like YouTube sphere that are not directly like, you know, the people who've seen the, you know, history of the world or like deep dove into his music, which apparently is millions of people, but uh, he, um, or it's like 10,000 people thousands of times, but uh, <laughs> yeah, more likely so. Yeah. And, and like he, because I saw he, he did, um, he played drums and I can't remember the song that was covered, but it, he played drums on a scary pockets video. And I was like, he's real in the wild. He's not just animated. <laughs> he's real in the wild. Yeah. <laughs> and then he was, he did a long form interview on one of the earlier, um, H3, H3 podcasts. And that was like yeah. the first time I had heard him talk at length about anything. <laughs> yeah. And just like his process and like, all, you know the work that he puts into all of those videos and and then the other one was like uh him just being uh featured by uh what was it charles cornell the the pianist dude like oh he, i love his stuff yeah like he did that breakdown of like i think of like mount saint helens is about to blow up or something and mm -hmm. And like the history of the world, like some of the segments, just looking at the weird harmony stings that you just toss in. And well, and I think what's what enamors me about his music is that on the surface, it feels very simple and like playful, like especially with some of the lyrics and some of the topics that he chooses to write about. Like it doesn't really feel serious. But like the music is like no, it's like not chill. Like the music has no chill. Like he might be singing like la da da, like some yeah. stuff like that. But then like underneath it, there's just like an entire world happening. Like he could be singing about like a, a duck, like oh that's a really nice duck, and like go through like five different key changes within that like five seconds. Like it it floors me, especially as like a drummer the dude has the pocket of a God. And I know that it's like mostly program drums that he uses, but right. I'm always enamored to see an artist take program drums and make them feel so alive. You know, mm -hmm. like, like the music of Jay Dilla where like all of his sampling within that is just so like, it is not perfect in any way, shape or form. And it just like adds that layer of reality to it, even though like you can tell that this is like a Casio keyboard or something like he plunked out. It's like he just either edited it or played it in a way that just like perfectly hits the groove and like hands off. Like I, I will practice drums to that stuff and like just try to understand what's going on. Like the dude really has like, 
kind of that same level of understanding of all those different instruments as like a Jacob Collier, mm -hmm. you know, just he's he's just a little more goofy and likes to have a lot more fun, I think, just with, you know, letting his imagination kind of run wild. Well, and, and like, uh, do you know uh, Ryan McMahon at all? Uh, yeah. Where, uh, what does, what does he do? He, um, well, I, I met him through uh, while he, I think he was still at MSU, uh, studying jazz and stuff, but I, I roomed with him for a year, the year that he joined, uh, the rainbow seekers. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, you know, in that year, like we were, so many videos came out in that year, um, from Bill and we would just like, you know, that's if if he came home or if I came home and one of us is already there, like one of those songs is going to get played or like we're like, let's like, did, did you listen to that new song? Like, what does he mean by these lyrics? Like, is there a deeper, deeper meaning? Is he talking about life or is it just really about <laughs> just some like goofy nonsensical thing or like he he makes something that like you can you can just kind of sit back and enjoy at its simplest but then if you want to like peel the layers you're like man the animation like even, even if it's all like you know hand-drawn stick figure stuff with clips it's still a ton of work like especially like the very minimal animation i've started to do with like oh things are moving in a video like to think how many hours he's probably spent drawing like pathways and like sh taking things and like, you know, checking it against the music and like, that's yeah, the, crazy. The <laughs> level of editing is like, and, and to somebody who might not know much about editing, you know, the, the very small amount that I've ever done on like editing videos, it's like, take a 10 second clip of any bill Wirtz video there's more going on in that 10 seconds than i think i've ever edited in my life like in in any way shape or form like it, it just floors me how he's able to like see the through line through yep. like all of this different stuff going on because yeah half of it is the music is fantastic and you can dig into that but then with like the visuals his editing, like the filters he's using, the like, you know, weird psychedelic like vibes that he's creating <laughs> through all of those visuals as well. It's insane. Like it just floors me that he's like, I don't think he, I don't think he has an editor or like no. anyone helping. I think it's just him. Yeah. Like, I think he's just, I think he's just doing it. He's just like meticulously crafting each video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is like the when he like took a break because I mean he's still not technically back, mm -hmm. but like I was like, yeah, dude, take a vacation. Like my yeah. God, <laughs> like <laughs> you you put out some of the most like substance, like like the, the depth of his stuff that he put out from like History of Japan to I Might Quit, yep. like all of the stuff in between there is just like the most dense editing and like musically difficult like. I don't understand how he was even able to keep on the track that he was on um, with like releasing music, like what one song a month or something like, yeah, each video seems like it's <laughs> like a, like an album, like just the amount of work that you would have to like put in to like get all the detail right on there. It just floors me every single time. Um, yeah. He, he's like, he's one of those dudes. 
like, you know, I want to see him as much as it's like, you know, he's Bill, the Bill Wirtz universe and he can make so much on his own. I, you know, I would love to see like, what if Lewis Cole came and hang it? Like, well, just yeah. made a thing with him or like, what if, I don't know. Uh, what if like know. him and Jacob Collier did a thing together? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like it would be amazing to see, um he but he again he doesn't seem like the super social type of dude which you know that's just his vibe i think that he's just going he's just carving out his own path like you know eventually i i would love to see if he collaborated with people but also if he doesn't yeah you know it's like his prerogative like what is you know if it if it ain't broke don't fix it yeah especially when you know he's built up enough youtube credibility to like get a few million views from a video like Mm -hmm. pretty much guaranteed um just from years of a rapport with his audience um i was wondering too like when i saw that he had done a scary pockets thing i'm like oh i wonder if he does like you know secret studio work for other clients and like just doesn't (laughs) post about it that which he very well could be doing yeah just like oh yeah i jumped on bass and oh you know that album yeah i did like a thing on it it's fine (laughs) like just no (laughs) we should we should cover a bill word song yes that'd be really fun i've i've been wanting to like it i've i've partially been learning um uh you know just it's it started with the solos i know with uh lottie dotty deo the keyboard solo in that just trying to like find a tone that's similar and learn that solo for fun um but yeah the whole whole songs are like there's so much so many cool nuggets of of things to like have fun with playing but also just learn and add to it's like oh i didn't realize i could just shift shift key centers for like this thing that's really cool and then just drop back into the normal key and like i think his music just expounds on the idea of like you can just do whatever you want you know like in music like it really is a sandbox like there is kind of like rules and and things to keep in mind but like yeah why not just modulate the chorus up for no reason like just do it like what what's making you not do it yeah (laughs) and like at the end of one of his songs like one of my favorite songs of his um is slow down oh yeah which just has that like insane groove and then at the end where the beat completely switches to this like halftime backbeat thing i literally like wrote down in one of my notebooks i was like (laughs) like write something where like you just completely turn the beat around like in the middle of a song you know because that it's it's so nice to listen to but it's even more fun to like try um like because it really is like now when i'm starting to write new music i'll kind of start with an arrangement before i even have like any of the music out like i was writing a song where i literally wrote out like okay verse chorus modulation outro and like on the outro i'm like outro do something drastically different than whatever you were doing in the front half like just as my like 
you know, banner of what I wanted the song to be like. And a lot of that has come from like listening to Bill's music and, and just like really out of the box thinking of ways to like, you know, shove ideas together in a way that like makes sense. And like the way that he can glue everything together with like really flowery, like piano lines that just kind of like glide into one section or another, like it's, it's, you know, good to study for production for, yep. you know, for mixing techniques as well. Um, just to see like, oh, he got from section A to section B because of this random like synth pad he put in there for four seconds that just like was the glue that connected those two sections or something. So yeah, man, if, if you ever have the, have the want to uh to put together a bill words cover i'm i'm with you on it i would yeah. completely be down i I'd, I'd say i'm i'm totally down because that's that's like that's one of my goals for this year is to like as much collaborating as i've done in the past year with everything uh it'll be nice to like you know kind of take it up to the next level of like you know i'm not just sending things to people and they put it all together like what what does it look like if i'm part of that process or if i'm you know making the thing mm -hmm. um another dude I, I you know in the interim of bill Wirtz, he this dude's kind of also he has a you know a similar vein where it's like it's goofy little you know bursts of like reels for um ideas this guy uh uh juan ariza He's um he's a producer, musician, like I I followed him, started following him years ago when he was still, you know, a college age at Berkeley in Boston. And um he you know, he's one of those people that pops up like, oh, he plays guitar with Phil Lasseter's funk band and he Phil Lasseter just recruits a lot of people like Mono Neon or you know, people who are sidemen for like Stevie Wonder or whatever. And, and like, but he'll also be like, you know, he, he was on a, I think a Dua Lipa song. He was like, a, had some producer credits this past nice. year. So he's like, he makes his brand of pop music is like, you know, it's very much like, it's it's that kind of vibe where you're listening to it and you're like okay there's that little whatever that feeling of nostalgia for something that isn't what's being expressed but in words but with emotion or with the vibe of a tune and you're like I'm nostalgic for this person's life that doesn't make sense but I feel it like that's what's happening um so it's like you know very warm and you know intimate still with a groove um and you know, has these little moments, little textures, little things he adds. Um, but he, you know, he'll, he'll post these little things that are just like, you know, talking about like in, in the real, it'll, he started one that was like, well, what are you thinking about? It's 3am. And then it cuts to the song and he's like, where do eels come from? Where do eels come from? Do they fall <laughs> from the tree to the bottom of the sea? Where do eels come from? <laughs> And just like all these like emoji like eels just swimming around, <laughs> and, and and uh, 
and then he he wrote he posted one the other day where i was like oh i've totally done that like uh it was just a short little jam of like he's like i totally heard what you said but i don't really remember it so i'm just gonna say that's cool (laughs) (laughs) i'm like Like adhd anthem for our generation (laughs) for real yeah but he's and you know he's also you know has these little he'll go live talking about like producing or he'll like do an instagram conversation with an artist he's working with and they'll do like um you know like a a live session where he's like working with them on mixing or something so he peppers out these little nuggets of like oh that's cool i never thought to try that or or making you know videos like he recently got on tiktok and some uh some singer like did the the song that jack black kind of outlines in school of rock the (laughs) oh i know i know exactly what you're talking about and like and then juan just made this whole backing experience with it and i'm like i want this full song now (laughs) like it's so well done for like a 30 second video (laughs) but oh man yeah so many creative people (laughs) for real i i think that like one of the things that i've been able to do um while in quarantine is just really like deeply study sonics um because i've i've always wanted to get into the production game um and really kind of just produce people like I and you know I've been producing my own music for for a long time and I just love the like editing and messing with the noise and and sound and and really seeing you know how how weird you can make something uh that's like very simple I think is one of the things that I'm like really trying to trying to figure out at the moment um but i've been able to just listen to a lot of music like very deeply this year uh just from being off the road and just having time to like sit and listen and one of the artists that i've been like really digging into um is bonnie fair um, oh yeah justin vernon's production um because i for a minute you know i was i was completely enamored with his stuff and when i was in high school like for emma and the self-titled and that came out but then when 22 a million came out the first time i listened to it i didn't i didn't understand it i didn't get it i kind of like wrote it off and i was like oh bonavera is like doing this doing this thing but in the last like <laughs> year or two um that album and his newest record as well as the couple of singles that he's put out um in the last year or so like they just keep going deeper into like this weird space of making electronic music feel super organic or at least like combining it with all these different elements to make it feel like a very like natural like organic matter instead of like super electronic sounding and some of the some of the tunes that he's been putting out just like I was talking to our friend Lauren and she was like, I've never seen an artist just like take the thing and just keep going with it. (laughs) Like, like he just keeps going down this like hole of exploration into like what you can do with Sonics. Um, And especially this year, you know, with him producing for like Taylor Swift and, and all of that happening. I like, I 
was enamored with the Taylor Swift records this year. <laughs> like I couldn't get enough of it. I'm like a, a certified Swifty at this point. Um, but it really, I think that that like opened my eyes to like, you know, what you could consider pop production or, you know, just ways to really make a song like, f like be felt emotionally. Like you mm -hmm. were saying, like the way that, um, like sometimes you don't really feel the emotion with the lyrics. You like feel the emotion with the instrumentation. Yep. Um, too, which I think like figuring out that aspect of production of like how to really bring an emotion across production wise, as well as lyrically. Cause like, you know, you can write a really emotional song, but if the backing track is wrong, <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's not going to come across nicely. Um, and I think that there's a lot of detail oriented work and, and things that like kind of go into that, uh, like, mindset when you're editing and when you're honestly when you're just recording too um that i've i've just really tried to jump into but yeah the the bonnie Vare stuff like i don't know if anybody hasn't like taken a deep dive into the newest record or 20 to a million like those are some of the most wonderful emotional like natural sounding records <laughs> that like exist right now and it floors me that like he's as popular as he is with like the kind of intense like sonic palettes that he's using <laughs> but i think that also just like speaks to like the the kinds of things that are super popular right now with like hyper pop you know with stuff like 100 gex and like charlie xcx and stuff mm -hmm. where it's just like super bombastic like everything is redlined like to the wall like just going for it and i think that that's like you know speaking to our generation a bit of just like how much can we make it you know it just kind of seems to be the vibe yeah it's so like well and and like it's interesting too with 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 bonnie Vare, like to have you know a a, a you'd look at his discography and just kind of have this expansive palette of like trying different things out and to have people you know it's not like oh he you know hit his peak and it's just like eh, like only a few people follow him still like the diehards and like the the nerdy people it's like <laughs> he's still you know his audience for the most part is still like like okay he's putting out new stuff let's check it out like i'm gonna grow with the artist rather than you know so many people I've, I feel like I talked to who for whatever time and place in their life, like I mentioned a certain artist or a band and they're like, Oh, they haven't been good in 10 years. I'm like, have you listened to them in 10 years? <laughs> or did you stop listening to them after you graduated high school and you're just nostalgic for those songs that you blasted in high school, which is fine. Just don't say, you know, like they, they sucked after that, even though they've literally been a band for 10 more years. Like that doesn't just happen. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a reason they're still doing stuff. There's a longevity. Um, oh, yeah. Well, and I think that like a couple of years ago, I really started to get hungry for like new music. Like I, I think I kind of went through the phase of like, oh, I don't really understand what artists are doing right now. And then like kind of broke through that layer into like, I'm like just constantly searching for, for new music now because like 
you know, I think being in tune with what's going on in the world and then like seeing artists in real time, like talk about it or like, you know, make a piece about it or just want to discuss it through art or, you know, to help people like feel through it, especially is like something that I think a lot of people need right now. Um, especially yep. like given the state of the world, but like I, it was, it was insane to me, like right at the beginning or not right at the beginning of the pandemic, but I would, I'm like a, I'm a, I'm a stats person. Like I love looking at numbers of everything. And I was looking at Spotify of just like some of these artists that, you know, you can tell are kind of like artists that people turn to when things like in their life maybe aren't doing so good. Like what's your cry record? You know, like what's your, what's your like, oh, I'm, I'm sad today because work was terrible and i just need to like calm down and like settle in and like suddenly those artists like bonnie ver like fleet foxes like um oh who who is somebody else i was i was looking at like just these artists that make this like super like comforting and like emotional music all of their numbers just started going up like you know because people were just like hitting the replay like nah, i need to feel better so <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, and for me, 2020, you know, I, I had, there were like points throughout the year where I, um, you know, between making a, a playlist for local spins, listing a top 10 album picks with like, you know, I think I had to, I had to narrow it down to five and I had like, you know, 20 honorable mentions or something. Yeah. And, and like, making these like Tuesday playlists for earth radio um, just as like, you know, it's, it started out as like trying to get everyone in the band to like share their influences, but everyone has different listening habits. So it turned into just like me trying to get used to curating playlists again. <laughs> um, Cause I used to do that for fun. Like, you know, when I was at grand Valley, I, I started a WordPress blog we're writing about my friends' concerts, but then I would also, you know, I I would I was like, okay, I'm gonna do like every week. I'm just gonna post a playlist with the albums I listened to that week, and then you know, after 16 weeks, you're like, oh, that's a lot of albums, <laughs> a lot yeah. of music to sift through. So I, now it's like, okay, let's make a a playlist, like pick a theme, try and go around that theme, um, and last year you, you know there's so many so many records that were like like some of them you know were directly res in response to the state of the world and were super cool and then some of them were like you know like uh tiger and hamasian's trio record where you're just listening to it like this is future music like what is happening <laughs> so much happen it's like a blending of like east meets west like theor music theory and like cool like production layering and just you know a vision it, same thing like you like i listen to the music and knowing that he, he he's armenian it's like oh i can feel his you know like he's had to live through all the craziness that all the armenian people have gone through and like that even if it's in like you know some nerdy like geometric rhythmic idea like 
that drummers are dissecting on YouTube within that there's still the emotion of like, Oh yeah, I feel this dude is like a, a voice for his people. And, and, you know, it has part of it's like, you know, he, he includes Armenian folk melodies and motifs in arrangements and stuff, but yeah, definitely like have distilling all of his experiences into music you're like, oh yeah, that's why. Like it is a, it could be a flurry of notes, but there's all these little emotional bursts that you're like, you you that keeps you listening rather than just having it be an etude or a technical exercise or something. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, and I often think about um, the like the saying of like people might not always remember what you say, but they'll remember how they make you feel. Mm -hmm. um, and I think with music, that's super important as well. Um, not to not to say like lyrics aren't important. They absolutely right. are. But I think <laughs> that, you know, I think half the battle, or at least you can you can achieve, you know, that emotional response with the music itself. You know, clearly, I mean, classical music, you know, there were there weren't lyrics for a long time. And like <laughs> one of my one of my favorite pieces is the Gymnopede uh, Suite by Eric Satie. Uh, I was is that the one that like repeats forever or no uh, that's a different one that's yeah but the, it's um you'd recognize it immediately yeah I'm always so bad with like as many times as it's I've heard it or it's been explained I'm like okay yeah uh I know that it's like the ultimate <laughs> classical sad boy tune like I, I don't know how else to describe it it's just like the moodiest like melancholic like I think millions of films have used it in like you know those types of scenes if they need it, or like I I heard it in um I watched the Queen's Gambit not too long ago and there was a there was a scene where they were trying to make it like something's wrong and she's sad so we're gonna have her on the piano playing this Eric Satie piece, <laughs> like and I was like yeah because that's exactly where it should be used, um but yeah I've just. I've really just been digging into like the emotional feel side of music. Um, and especially for me, I'm, I'm not the strongest writer ever. I kind of know that about me. I need to work on it more. I need to just do it more and, and hopefully get better at it. But yeah. like so many songs, I feel like the lyrics will be written after the music for me because like, I need to understand the emotional space with my body before I can like, you know, write something down that might make sense to it. Like I, there, are, there are some friends that I have that'll just like write poems and then like set music to the poem because like they have that way of understanding the emotion through the words and then they can like make the music that emotion. Whereas like, you know, I'm kind of on that opposite end where I like I have to feel it in my bones before I can like start <laughs> writing about it really. Um, and, you know, I think that being able to kind of have the time this year to to get into that feel mode has been um really it, it's definitely uh my music's been impacted <laughs> yeah a lot um especially some of the new stuff i'm working on i just started um uh like a like a loose internet band project with um seth bernard and dan rickabus Oh, nice. Um, so we're just kind of sending tracks around. You know, it's like an amorphous thing right now where we're like, <laughs> we don't know what it's going to be. We're just going to, you know, throw some music around and, and try to collab with one another because we, we played a show 
uh, actually like a year ago today, I think, wow. um, at the workshop brewing company up in Traverse City, um, just like a Seth show for a birthday party. And um, I was on bass. <laughs> And Dan was Dan was on drums. That was like my first gig as like a bass player. I had like all my charts and everything set up. Um, but it was it was so much fun. And so we've been trying to do something forever. But I think that like one of the things that we talked about when we, you know, we hopped on a call together just to say like, hey, you know, what's some ideas that we could throw around? And it was like, you know, getting to that emotional spot where, you know, um, we wanted whatever we're doing, like the intention of it to be like beauty and like comfort and like kindness and that kind of just like, you know, like warm hug of a, <laughs> of a music project. Cause I, I feel like it's needed, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's needed right now, especially just in, in my own life and in our own lives, you know, let alone the, the rest of the world. So I'm, I'm excited to see what comes of that. And, and really kind of dig into the emotional side of production. <laughs> yeah. It, it, well, and, you know, that made me think of two things, like reviewing Seth's album for my website last oh, year. So good. Yeah. I, like listening to it, I'm like, I think this is the vaccine. Like, this, <laughs> like it's this, <laughs> this album. This is the cure. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was so, it was just like everything was so optimistic and hopeful and like, you know, emphasizing community and coming together and, and you're just mm -hmm. like, you're like, maybe it's not so bad out there. <laughs> it's like, we're all well, going to come yeah. together. <laughs> it had that, like, that sense of hope and that sense of, you know, like it almost because, and two, it's kind of like a lo-fi home recording, you know, like Seth did it in his, in his house during quarantine, you know, yeah. all to four track. So it has that very like homey feel to it, you yeah. know, like it, it just has that emotion of like, it's gonna be all right man like come on we're gonna we're gonna sing some songs we're gonna we're gonna have a good time <laughs> yeah it well and, and it reminded me too of like you know sometimes the path of least resistance and putting something out is the right one like jacob collier just put out an ep of like you know acoustic stuff and other things and one of the tracks was literally off his phone like he yeah. he recorded it and was like i can't capture that type of vibe trying to go into a studio and process it it's like he it, it that kind of spur of the moment thing was what i made feel it like cool. like more and more you see that kind of thing in even just popular music like where people take like a part of a demo and just like throw it in the song or like yeah like the voice memo thing too it's like a huge <laughs> thing for records right now um like yeah the, the yeah like what you said like the path of least resistance to getting it out there just like you know first thought best thought go for it you know and 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 get it out there into the world um but yeah man seth's record uh, i remember kind of I, I was on a walk through the woods and i put that record on um this summer and it was just such a it was such a good vibe. Like, I think, I think that is one of my, one of my favorite records of last year. Um, just because it, like, it really just, you can tell like it came from a space of, of needing to heal and needing to, needing to love and needing to laugh and needing to like have community. And I think that it, it really shows it. So yeah, shout out to that record for sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and to speak on intention, like, you know, you feel it throughout that album and I made a post the other week, because I realized, like, part of, you know, I've always 
like navigated and you know distilled life through like you know whether it's that like that humor humorous cynicism of music school or like the satirical look at like something that's happening and like you know trying to make it something that is like oh it's uh, this is funny or like oh history repeats itself or ha ha like this is ha-. but then at the same time you know you think oh i'm you know i'm converting that you know constant stream of like uh, and turning it into humor and that's you know good but all that's i realized all it was doing was like okay someone on the receiving end is feeling good but i'm still like you know my conversion process is still like oh this is just uh <laughs> the world <laughs> like you just start thinking of like <laughs> all the craziness and and so now it's like okay if i'm gonna be especially now that i'm having to create more and exist on digital spaces going forward it's it's about the intention of like you know being a being creative in a way that like and interactive in a way that is like where i would want to be if i was just an audience person like how do i create that space rather than just like you know start to create in a way that feels forced or like feels disingenuous at any point like just trying to make you know these spaces to create like somewhere fun and and and, you know inviting rather than like taking that craziness and just trying to be like <laughs> like <laughs> it's not all going to be me dancing or something on TikTok it's well yeah you don't want to be disingenuous <laughs> yeah so for sure yeah hearing you know like Seth putting out that kind of album I was like yeah this definitely par for the course of what he does <laughs> like every day so it's cool to like see people who and I'm sure he'd be like, oh, I haven't, you know, I haven't figured it, everything out, but I appreciate it. And you're like, stop it. You can't be this great. <laughs> can't be so wholesome. Um, well, and I think to like, you know, I, I think it speaks to Seth's process. Um, like he's just a dude that now that I've kind of worked with him a little bit here and there, you know, it just seems like he always has a new song he's working on or that, you know, he just currently has a rotation of things that he's you know putting through his head and and pumping around and i definitely thought about that because i've i've always been like very precious with my songs of like oh but i want to like finish this song and before i like move on to something else or or whatnot and it's like no you gotta have like 10 irons in the fire you know just cooking because like the best ideas will come to you when you least expect it so if you have like 10 ideas that are just bouncing around in your head like one might come together, one might not. But like, I know that even for my last record, like towards the end of the process, I was like, I need a couple more songs. And luckily I had had like demos and stuff like from back in the day when I was like working on my record back in 2016 that just like were songs that I never finished or like ideas that never fully came to fruition. And then just like digging back through that like pile of stuff and being like oh my gosh i can't believe like i i let go of this chord progression or something because now given all of the you know stuff that i've taken in since then like new ideas have you know come to 
uh, be a part of my like toolkit. So now I like hear that and I'm like, oh yeah, I, I know immediately what, what I think I should do with this, you know, like distance from something can also be really good for the creative process because then, you know, in the same way that like, what were, what exactly were you worried about this time last year is like the same thing of like, what exactly didn't work four years ago on this song you can't even remember so you're right. just kind of like back to that like starting point again it almost feels like you know you can go any way with it which you know give yourself your you know like a breadcrumb breadcrumb trail to <laughs> to follow back to your ideas but yeah i and seeing seth kind of work on all of these different tunes at once like um it's it's really cool to to kind of see that process in action i mean especially with sav and kate too like they're always working on new stuff um and especially this year from all of the co-writing they've been able to do like there's just new songs coming in left and right you know i'm getting sent like hey mike we need you to like throw some demo drums <laughs> on this song thank you <laughs> I'm like, okay you know just like whipping it up and and it's really cool just to see all of these things kicking around with the intention of if you write enough songs eventually like they will form into something you know like the the way will become clear once you like have enough material to work with um yeah has always been my issue up until like a couple of years now where like i would only write enough songs to like fit on a record and i would there would be like no room to cut anything and no room to add anything and it was like a very constricting place to work from um and i think just like making sure that you have a bunch of ideas cooking at all times is just like it's like creatively healthy and it'll just help you you know in more ways than than you could possibly think it's going to <laughs> yeah it, and it's you know it's it it's the thing that i'm looking forward to this year with earth radio you know adding three other collaborators with very distinct personalities and like skill sets and uh you know different voices on di different instruments like to have that in the arsenal is cool because then you know we get more ideas <clears throat> more intersections of like different styles and 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 moods and things um but it's also tricky to you know how do we're we're you know we're still so new into that space it's like how do we make room for everyone to share their ideas especially when like you know part of this year too is we're thinking about like you know how we want to market things as we're creating and putting things out like we're going in to record a single next week um that we you know justin wrote i think in november december and me and him and madison have been demoing it the last couple weeks um like how do we you know like how do we create in with you know the larger group in mind while also figuring out how we tell people what this thing is because <laughs> like some people you know think it's like oh it's like a psychedelic jam band oh no it's kind of like a, a like a neo soul rock group no it's kind of like uh <laughs> and like you know chad wedevin i think said it he it was like if Mariah Carey was fronting King Crimson. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> funny. So it's yeah, it's like I don't want to, I don't want to limit ourselves in how we express 
for the sake of marketing. And I also don't want to limit people's exposure to what the band does because of marketing also. Um, Cause as much as it's like, Oh yeah, you know, everyone in the band can agree like Erica Badu or, you know, hiatus coyote or something. There's like a common ground there, but everyone's writing perspective comes from like a different, you know, different skill sets, different backgrounds, different like expression tools, different, uh, different things. And so far what we've done is just like, if someone comes with, you know, like an outline, a framework, like enough of a song to start like adding in little bits and tweaking it, that's kind of how the songs get finished. Um, because if, yeah, if all seven of us are trying to write in a room, it could get a little <laughs> overwhelming. Yeah. I, I've no, I've, I've run into a similar thing. Um, just super recently working with Dan and Seth where it was like, you know, we can only send things over the internet and writing a song, you know, I, I, I remember having the thought of like, okay, I need to leave a Seth sized hole yep. in this tune. And like, you know, the fact that I love his music and I have for a lot of years. So I, I kind of like, you know, understand the, the, the Seth thing that Seth does. Cause he's done it. You know, I don't know wh what to call it or what it is, but I remember just being like, and do the Seth thing, you know, like, and, and here's a hole for that. I think like understanding your collaborators too, of like, you know, and almost having like a semi specific idea of what they could add, um, like to your song too. Like, it seems like y'all in earth radio are, you know, you've now been a band for what, four years? three years uh yeah i guess it's three how many months away from august so like of almost <laughs> three and a half years okay. as a band <laughs> yeah because like at this point i would imagine you have some way of going like oh, okay if i play this type of groove i know that say justin will kind of pick up on the on the thing that i'm I'm doing, you know, like nothing's going to come out of left field in the same right. way that like writing music to collaborate with other people, you kind of, at least at the moment, because we can't all be in the same room together. It's like, okay, I have to leave enough of a space, you know, in this zone for them to play around in and not feel like they're boxed in by any one idea. It was kind of like when I sent you the thing where it was just like drums and bass pretty yep. much. And it was like, because you know, that was all I was feeling. And I was like, okay, if, if somebody else picks this up, I want them to have as much room as possible to run over the top of this thing, you know, instead of, cause I could have put in some like plinky, you know, production stuff here and there to like try to fill the space out more. But I feel like that would have inhibited any kind of, you know, baseline creative thing that you're doing, you know, like you want to give them as, 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 only only what they need to like run with it instead of getting bogged down in the minutia um but yeah like it's it's very interesting now collaborating with people and really trying to write like with them and and have like that rapport of you know i'm gonna stop here because i know that they could potentially have a better idea than than what i could continue to work on and like kind of giving up that power in the session or giving up that like, you know, 
like don't don't hold anything too tightly or too preciously because you you know anything could happen <laughs> that like you you haven't even thought of yet and i think like finding those collaborators that just like light you up in that way as well is yeah. is, is really nice yeah and and you know a lot of i mean as we've seen in recent weeks a lot of 2020 is spilling over into 2021 mm-hmm. um so i've i i'm definitely feeling that in the you know it's it's the continuation of people who you know, took it upon themselves, you know, everyone was in different places, but like the people that were like, okay, I'm, even if it's one song, I'm going to work on work, you know, writing or recording or something, or even if it's just, you know, like a, a live stream a month or every other month or twice, like just figuring out, you know, all these little tools that, um, you know, not everyone's going to gravitate towards every option all the time, but to have that in your back pocket, like going into this year is going to be great for people who, you know, like, like some people, some people are, you know, as the vaccines rolling out, are starting to feel more comfortable doing certain things, still, you know, being mindful and, and all that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, there's other people who they, they won't, be able to do anything until there's like you know widespread vaccination numbers of you know the sick and sickness and infection go down like and those people have also built well in some capacity not every single person but they've built a way to like interact with all the people they normally would see out and about um and when they're able to come out when everyone's able to come out and do anything like it's going to be so much easier to like, Oh, I'm going to plop a a phone on a stage and I know how to take board feed. I'm going to make my own video. Like I don't need to, you know, it's, I don't need a full scale production for everything as much as we all want to be Toby Nwigwi and have (laughs) a full like cinematic experience with every song. Like now like the infrastructure is there. Mm-hmm. like for a lot of artists to just like kind of more easily understand how to just do that now in the wild. Yep. Well, and, and I, you know, like when I went to GR Noir uh, to like see the space and the owner was asking about like, Oh, like what little things do we need to tweak? And, you know, the biggest thing was just like monitoring on stage, which he's, you know, as soon as I brought up, like, here's some options, he bought the things and I was like, Oh, all right <laughs> committed <laughs> but the there's this new mixer that behringer put out that's kind of like it's like it's 250 bucks and it's you know the next step up from this mixer is what i have the xr18 the like stage box you can control with an ipad or with mm-hmm. midi connected stuff um but it's an eight channel digital mixer slash interface and i'm like that like more of that more of these things that are like oh i just have this one box i can plug it into my computer i can run lines to you know a very like oh it's a jazz trio run lines to the board easy to send to monitors easy to send to a computer or a thing for streaming like yeah the the ease of use with because i remember like trying to do it the first time without uh using like you know, a built-in like PS4 streaming thing. And it's like, oh, I have to get a capture card and then I have to get, you know, navigate the software on my computer. And then, 
you know, have all these external things routing my audio and, and then like to have the digital component too of like, oh, you're adding more routing options and <laughs> things could get confusing or accidentally muted. Like to have something that's like, yeah, you plug it in and you can run eight channels of audio into a room and a stream. <laughs> like that's huge. <laughs> oh yeah. I know. And those stage boxes are starting to become more and more like I, I'm, I'm seeing those more and more as things are happening, especially for like, you know, smaller rooms and, and things that are more like consolidated. Like you might not have the space for like a whole mixer, you yep. know, if you're at like a, a, like a restaurant or like a smaller venue. So having those and just being able to pull it up on like a computer is like awesome. Like yeah. I, that's, that's helped out a lot. Yeah. And even like, you know, this mic I'm using this Elgato, uh, wave three mic, it's, it's already answered a question or it's already answered, a not a, I guess it would technically be a problem with, uh, the streaming community. Uh, a lot of people wanted those go XLR mixers that are like, you know, you have all the routing options and all the adjustability, but in this mic, like it could, it's a USB connected mic, but it also allows you to like pull up the wave link software and see where your audio is being routed to like, you know, a zoom call or a like OBS stream. And it, each thing comes with two faders and it's like, this is what you're oh, hearing. This great. is what the stream's hearing. And you can just adjust it. Oh all. man, that would be so helpful. <laughs> Yeah. And, and then it's also, you know, if I really wanted to, I could just bring this, it's got a, like a headphone jack in the back <laughs> mm -hmm. and it's like, Oh, I can monitor speak control all like, Oh, I control the Spotify levels control the, you know, like it, it, it's a, such a useful tool, but that was kind of Elgato's answer to like, you know, like go XLRs are like, you know, 500 bucks, 300 bucks for the slightly cheaper version um, but they're also in high demand cause they, you know, everyone just scooped them up when, as soon as someone was like, you're going to be streaming a lot this year. It's like, everyone bought everything. <laughs> oh yeah. Now, I remember <laughs> reading an article about like, I think reverb put it out where it was like home recording gear sales went up like 400% <laughs> or something like in the first couple of months of lockdown, like. I like they were like running out of stock of interfaces and stuff like that. Like I remember we were trying to get an interface um, from Roland, um, which we did eventually, and they were awesome. They they hooked us up with some awesome interfaces, but like right at the beginning, it was like, well, you know, like our our supplies are are low right now, so it might just it might be like a little bit longer of a wait than you thought originally, um, which was like just insane. Like so many people were were getting their own setups but i think that is the thing is like um and sav was talking about it on a on a panel i think she did with the um recording academy i think where she was like you know people are the infrastructure is there now like what we were what we were saying of like so many people you know set up their own like home recording setup this year that you know in the future i think that like like people are streaming right now out of necessity but I think that it opens up the ways to like, you know, 
just have it done more easily or be more accessible in the future for people like, you know, to do more streaming shows or to do more things like this, where we're doing like, you know, podcasts or just like making it easier for people to do events online or like, especially those panels, you yep. know, like that, that we were seeing, I know like South by Southwest did a bunch of stuff online as well um, early on in, in the lockdown. Um, so I think it'll be interesting moving forward just to see, you know, when we do finally come out of um, the pandemic and things do open back up, how much, um, you know, will continue to just be online, you know, because the infrastructures there, people have now built, you know, certain shows or certain things that they're doing. And um, so yeah, I'll just be interested to see what the what the kind of like landscape of uh, you know, both home recording and home, uh, like access to artists and being able to talk with everybody, like what, what is that going to look like in a post COVID world? Um, cause we know what it looks like right now. Yeah. Um, but I'll just be interested <laughs> to see what that like underlying infrastructure carries over to in the next couple of years here. Yeah. I'm definitely, you know, like, I'm I'm now more of especially after last year more of the mindset of like like do the thing and it's becomes an option rather than not do the thing because like somebody was like oh I don't really like that thing and then you listen to that one person and it's like see like I shouldn't do it because that one guy was like (laughs) he hates streams and it's like but you're, you know, you're limiting what you could do creatively. You, you know, it's an option for, you know, any, like, cause there's, you know, that, that presents an opportunity too of like, if, if things come back where people can do live, but they want to do like a virtual showcase of something, they, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's so much easier to like be a part of something and not have to spend you know, time, money, energy to do it. If it doesn't make sense at the time for a group, um, whether it's financially or like in people's schedules or lives, like to have the option to be like, yeah, we'll, we'll send something over. Like we'll record a set. We'll, you know, it'll turn into content later. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it, there's no, there's no limit to like, like what, you can do if you have some way of navigating all the digital ups and downs and yeah, making things easier is like so many people are going to benefit from it. It, That would normally just write it off or like not even think about doing it. (laughs) It is true. Yeah. Well, I think we've covered a lot. Yeah. (laughs) However long it's been, I don't even know. Like two and a half hours. Got on with it. (laughs) (laughs) But that just means you'll be on it again later this year and we'll have I would love to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, and and maybe, you know, we'll we'll talk about our collaborations in this first one. Maybe we'll maybe we'll work on a few things and then, you know, pick those apart at a later date. Yeah. Well uh yeah. Uh thanks again for coming on and where I mean, we've mentioned some of the things you do and what you've been up to. What what things should people check out who might be interested in what you're doing? Um, for me personally, I've got um, a solo project called Treeskin, 
Um, so I put out a record earlier that, uh, in 2020 um, that you can check out. It's everywhere up on Spotify, YouTube, uh, treeskinmusic.bandcamp.com. Uh, if you want to look over at Bandcamp. Um, and then with the Accidentals, we're doing a bunch of things. We've got a bunch of music coming out this year, and uh, hopefully we can get back on the road if if things are, you know, going in a, in a good trend. Uh, we're hoping festival season um, goes on this year. So uh, look for us potentially on the road at some point this year, if, if that's a possibility. But we're, we're, we're going to be releasing a lot of music. Um, and doing some more, doing some more things like um, we've been doing a lot of uh, like workshops and things uh, for schools as well. I know there's some of those on the horizon. Um, so yeah, you can check that out at uh, theaccidentalsmusic.com. Um, and then yeah, I've I've just got a bunch of projects uh, working on. I'm also available for mixing uh, if people have projects uh, they want to send that way. So all my contact info too is just on michaeldoss.com. Awesome. And for those listening, as always, if you dig this, these types of conversations with people, you can go to patreon.com slash Snedeker, and that's a way you can get extra episodes, access to these, you know, the private streams and, uh, and more content <laughs> to, that's coming out over this year. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks again. And, uh, you know, it, I'll probably just have it slowly fade and (laughs) it'll fade and we'll just go to another thing.